Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. I just got to say, the Honey Badger pistol is a sexy son of a bitch. I really love the Back to the, Back to the Future Nike phrase on it. That shit is the shit. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Hey, guys. It's Greg out in uh, Arizona. I love the show. love the products. Uh, one thing, any chance you could get a better mic for your podcast? Sound quality is atrocious. Thanks, man. Bye. Good morning. We're back again for the drive-in. Ah, this morning is about silencer baffle design and three lug mounts. Um, you know, I go into depth on three lug mounts, the pros, the cons, why it exists, why it shouldn't exist, why it still exists, and how it should exist if it's going to exist. And baffle designs, just on the concepts of why we do what we do, what you actually need as a consumer, what is important, and what are the sacrifices and the compromises that we make in designing silencers um, to deliver what I view is the best product for the commercial consumer for 99% of the time. And that's generally my focus. Uh, so take a listen, report back what you think, Hope you enjoy it. If not, so what? Good morning. Uh, it's a Wednesday morning. I'm driving to Q. Um, I want to talk about silencer and baffle design and the reasons that we do silencers the way we do. Um, discussed it some in the past on podcasts, but uh, I'll just try to give like a 10 minute explanation of my thoughts on silencer design uh, on all uses based on my 26 years experience. Um, so started doing silencers when I was 19 uh, and I think a lot's changed on the commercial market. You know I've learned a lot of lessons uh, with advanced armament and SIG we won a lot of military contracts um, and originally the commercial market when I started we chased sound at advanced armament and uh, the industry then was very small but we made huge huge leaps let me rephrase that uh, we made tremendous improvements in sound performance uh, if you go all the way back to Maxim the Maxim silencers um, are a brilliant design. They're very quiet, and they were essentially probably 75 years ahead of their time. Um, most everything now is still based on Maxim designs. The asymmetry, or people call clipping the baffles, or step cuts, or whatever, all that comes from Maxim designs. Uh, they're very efficient. I've got probably a dozen Maxim silencers, and everything from uh, rim fire to 44 and just about everything in between uh, have them for the 03 Springfield for instance and stuff like that um, and even their military silencers varied from their commercial silencers but at AAC our, our main competitor at the time was Gemtech and so we chased 
we were really chasing sound. And they used to have uh, sound comparisons in the periodicals that were available on newsstands. And uh, that was sort of a focus. Um, and Al Paulson was the gold standard. He wrote the Silencer's History and Performance books. And that's who everyone relied on. Well, Phil Dater and Jim Tech really started to a smear campaign on him once we started outperforming them in advanced armament. Our Scarab 22 silencer was the first one using K baffles, and we improved over the Gemtech 22 can by 6 to 8 dB and probably 10 dB in the first round pop. It was the first really quiet 22 muzzle can of uh, a compact size. And basically, at the time, Mike Smith and myself took everything that, that we knew from silencer history and we could read about, and Mike's experience from Gemtech and my experience with Gemtech, and uh, we just started doing R&D and prototyping until we made it quieter. And Phil Dater only knew how to make M baffles, so that's what they were using, um, which is basically a basic cone with an integral spacer. And we realized pretty quickly we weren't going to get any quieter really using that baffle design. It just wasn't appropriate for the 22 cans that we were doing at the time. And so we went to a K-baffle design, and it was phenomenal. If anyone has ever shot the Scarab silencer, uh, and it was the predecessor to the Element and Element 2 silencers that came later at Advanced Armament. And then our Phoenix Ruger Mark II pistol that was an integral design was as quiet, quiet as dropping the bolt on an em empty chamber. It was the first really silent, reasonably sized uh, Ruger Mark II pistol. Um, but we did that for several years, and it wasn't until my thoughts on silencers really changed when we got involved with the military. Um, and then I realized, you know, it helped to make our silencers way better, way stronger, way more efficient, like all these things. But in the end, they needed products that don't really make sense overall for the commercial market at whole. Like, it's neat to have as a collector's item. And if you shoot a lot of full auto or, or things like that, some of it might make sense. But over the years, as we did that, it, it started the difference between commercial silencers and military silencers became very apparent. You know, it's for instance, um, and a lot of people don't like to hear that because they're just like gun queers, and, and I understand. But, you know, for instance, I've had a Humvee, a military Humvee before, and it's like really neat around the farm or whatever. But the novelty wears off, and then I never drive it because the Raptor you know, the Ford Raptor, even just a basic F-150, um, or right now I'm driving a Toyota 4Runner. It's just way more practical for my life and every day and taking the kids to school and taking the trash, going to the dump, you know, cruising around the farm, like doing anything, going to the grocery store. Uh, the, the Humvee is stupid for most of that stuff. I mean, just the novelty is kind of cool. Or if like these zombie idiots that want these, you know, Armageddon vehicles, it's cool, but it doesn't serve a real practical use in my life, which is okay, but, you know, I've got three or four cars, I don't have, like, they're not all Humvees, um, so, or, you know, a deuce and a half or whatever, other vehicles like that are kind of cool for nostalgia, but it's not practical for my life and daily driving, and I think it's the same thing for silencers. Um, so as we learned and we we're making silencers out of Inconel for the military and other, you know, cobalts, other materials, 
for, you know, belt-fed machine guns. Um, and then they want secondary latches and all this kind of stuff. It just became very impractical for the commercial market. And they, what, what, where I realized was they're not silencers I was using in my shooting and my hunting or even if I took a class or, you know, would go out shooting for the day at the farm. This just wasn't stuff I would use because we could build things that suited our needs for half the weight. And, you know, a lot of times more compact, more simplistic mounting systems, stuff like this. And that's sort of what you see in Q. You see a, a step in that direction once we went to SIG. But at Q, it's really been based on, Ethan and I rely on our experience, um, both military and commercial, and then what is practical and what do people need. Um, what you know, and that's based on what we want for ourselves. And uh, you know, I think that's kind of why we've hit a home run with the silencers. And uh, you know, I see the little anonymous wannabes and haters say things about you know some you know company that builds three silencers a year and how theirs is quieter and their you know their buddy in the Niagara Falls area metered it three dB quieter than our trash panda. You know, like. Well, first of all, who cares? Second of all, generally it's bullshit. But third of all, we can make the silencers quieter. Um, it's just to a point of diminishing returns. When they're hearing safe on a 16-inch 308, that's kind of my, like internally, our standard now. And for instance, the, the SOCOM test that everyone uses, like, we're the first ones to do that. Um, now, not every silencer needs to endure that to be practical for your ownership or to last you. You know, if you're shooting, putting it on a bolt gun or a 16-inch AR or something like that, a silencer does not need to be built the same way as if you're putting it on a belt fed or a 10-inch 5.56 machine gun. And if you think otherwise, you're just stupid. It's just not the way it is. Um, so the silencer design, if we want to make things quieter now, you know, we kind of ch stop chasing quiet. And I've said this in the past with military, it would be like the number 10 priority on their list of 10 priorities. Sound wasn't the, the, the big thing. Like flash was very important for them. Of course, reliability of, of the host weapon, things like this, uh, point of impact shift, accuracy, all these sorts of things. And there were problems they had encountered with whatever, previous requirements they had written or, you know, OpSync silencers are really great silencers and I love those. Um, but you're not going to get consistent alignment and accuracy out of those the way that they, they make them and mount them. It's just impossible. And with the length of those silencers. And so you see things that we try to do to help make the silencers better, even with the rifles, putting a taper on the muzzle to give you alignment. So you don't have to use a fast attach with a secondary uh, latch so that the silencer stays tight and doesn't unscrew. You know, with that taper, it never comes loose. That's why you see HK using it now and, and other companies that know what they're doing. You know, we put it originally, Ethan put it on the first Honey Badger uh, that we built because uh, we didn't want a fast attach silencer. It was going to be under the handguard. It was only going to be shot suppressed. So, um, you know, go, go to self-locking taper and back off a little bit. That was kind of the idea. So the silencer is aligned and it never unscrews. And then we wire cut the bores 
to make sure we're getting proper alignment so you get good accuracy and you don't get point of impact shift. But, you know, back to sound and making the silencers quieter. If anyone has shot the Thunder Chicken silencer from us on a 308, a 65, 300 blackout, and that is not the quietest thing that you've ever heard, you're lying to yourself. And we could make it quieter. You know, of course we could. We could add some more baffles. We could make it longer. Um, we could do a more complex baffle design, which is what some of these ass clowns do. But what happens sometimes when you make these things complex and you chase sound, they get weak because of the design. Or they get very heavy because of the design. Like, Ethan and I know this. Uh, we can design these things at the office, but they get expensive. They get heavy. They get complicated. They get weak. Um, so these are reasons that we don't do it. You know, there's some other cheater things. Like all of our blast baffles are generally symmetrical. And I notice in like the Dead Air Nomad, which I think is a good silencer, and it's basically a stainless steel copy of the Trash Panda, but they did one thing to try to get some sound that I don't agree with overall. But for some people, it makes sense, and it's fine. They put a step cut in the blast baffle. Well, you're never going to get the accuracy or you know, the minimal zero shift out of that can that if you made a symmetrical blast baffle, like we have in the Trash Panda, Thunder Chicken, Half Nelson, Full Nelson. But what you do get is it reduces first round pop and it reduces your overall sound reduction by having that step cup. So that's kind of a balance. You know, for us, we want the silencers to be utility, just like the Honey Badger is, just like the fixed rifle, like all of our products. Um, is it going to be the best at one single thing? Maybe not, but it's going to be probably the best all-around product that you'll own. Um, and that's kind of our approach to silencer design. Right now, we're just making all titanium, um, and we're about to come out with a stainless steel silencer that, you know, is, is geared at the Nomad, which was, you know, their take on our trash pan, the silencer. Um, but where people can use it on 5.56, it'll be a less expensive silencer. Um, it'll mount to our cherry bomb. You know, um, you know that's another design aspect. Whether it's Dead Air, Silencer Co., AAC, Surefire, you get these 2.5 to 3.5 ounce muzzle devices, you have to incorporate that to the overall system weight of the silencer on the end of your gun. Which, I mean, I did it in the past um, and it was the best thing then but I was wrong now looking back like what we have now is better which it should be as we evolve and get smarter uh, but we wanted a minimal mount without latches just everything you needed and nothing you didn't to mount the silencer to the gun securely to give you proper alignment the thing not to come loose um, you know sh sh Silencer Co. continues to produce silencers that launch downrange um, because of their mounting system. So they went from their original mounting system to a copy and a patent violation of the advanced armament mounting system that I designed. Um, but they screwed it up, and there's some subtleties to it that they messed up. That's why people think it gets carbon lock. It doesn't get carbon lock. You know, It gets a mechanical lock because they designed some stuff incorrectly in it. Um, so people think they have them secure, and they don't, and the thing's launched downrange. It's just you know, shit happens. And Silencer Co., I think, has done a lot of good things for our industry. 
Um, but they've not been completely honest about design. And, and you know, I don't know. Maybe it was more important to um, for them to continue the marketing and take it even to the next level that I did at Advanced Armament for awareness and, you know, and things like this and growing the silencer niche of the industry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously before the owners were kind of thrown out and all, they should have used some of that money they were making in their heyday to improve some designs um you know silencer co is not the worst stuff in the world but it's mediocre um what else with silencer designs you know that people don't realize like this is somebody uh, you know some of the psr and prs whatever it's called nerds try to tell you know they, they want to talk about Thunder Beast, which they make good silencers, but that's not a fight you want to pick. I mean, if you're honest about yourself, you know, I had put the threads at AAC, I'd put the threads on the muzzle device in front of the taper. That was stupid and wrong. And, and I saw the little Griffin sisters say that, well, you know, threads are tapers. Well, that's so ridiculous. Like, you have to have a taper to seal the copper and the carbon. And if you're relying on threads to give you alignment, well, that's just ridiculous anyway. But once you get carbon and copper in those, you're not getting the same alignment. The things aren't staying tight. Um, and you have to have, uh, you know, a bore that provides you alignment in front or behind those threads for that to ever be a possibility. Um, it's just a stupid way to do it. You know, I'm not an engineer and I screwed it up at advanced armament and then all these people have copied it. The right way to do it is to put the taper in front of the threads to seal and align the silencer and keep all the stuff off of your alignment surface. Um, but with Thunder Beast, they screw that up. And then they use shims or crush washers behind their muzzle device on a 90-degree shoulder. A 90-degree shoulder is stupid for mounting silencers because all it does is stop you from threading something on. It's a shoulder. It doesn't provide you any alignment. So then they use crush washers and shims to orient and time their muzzle devices, their muzzle brakes. Well, that causes misalignment. Um, all this stuff really adds up and stacks up at the end of the can. Well, we don't do any of that stuff, so we get better alignment there. We're not getting the carbon on our threads, so you get the thing stuck. Um, we don't paint our silencers. It is a huge pain in the butt to PVD the silencers. That's physical vapor deposit. And so what's good about that finish is it doesn't scratch and it doesn't burn off. So that's why we've chosen to put that on a lot of our silencers. It's the best finish. We don't paint them, um, which some people don't care, I guess. So that's maybe not a big deal. Uh, Thunder Beast started welding their silencers, and that's cool. But they don't EDM the bore. We wire cut the bores to ensure that it is exact alignment with the bore of your rifle if your bore or your rifle's in the center of your barrel, at least. Um, you know, those are some of the differences uh, with the silencers. We're always going to be quieter than Thunder Beast. They have focused a lot on accuracy and point of impact shift and precision, but it doesn't make sense that they haven't done these other things to improve that. If they put a taper, uh, if they used a taper rather than a 45 in their threads, or if they put the threads in the right place so they wouldn't stick. If they got away from using those shims and the crush washers, if they started wire cutting the bores, their silencers would be competitive with ours. And I'm not saying you can't get one and have good luck with one. I've got one on one of my rifles. It's a thread mount silencer that I've had for years from them. 
and it's a good silencer. It's loud as hell compared to anything else really the comparable size, um, especially anything that, that we produce or uh, there's a couple other good quiet silencers on the market, but sound-wise, they're generally about like Surefire. Now, with that being said, Surefire, their 300 Blackout can is the first quiet can they've ever made, and that's really quiet. But the rest of their stuff, their military silencers are freaking horrendously loud. Um, but, you know, Thunder Beast has a good name, and they really support that market, and the owners are, I don't even think they're the owners, but uh, the guys that are involved in that are also precision shooters and play in that space, and so I get that they're popular. Um, and I understand why. And it's not to say you can't have a good experience with your silencer on your gun. Just overall, if you do it a hundred times, you're not gonna. It's not gonna compete with what we do. Um, and like I said, I like their thread mount silencer on my gun, but it's loud, and I have to lock tight it, or it comes loose when I shoot. Um, that's a sucky part of not using muzzle tapers. Um, I think you'll you'll see us continue to evolve silencers and do things like the Erector series where it's truly modular. Uh, we don't do replaceable front end caps because then, um, you know, if you put in a 223 front end cap in your 30 caliber silencer, you're just making it louder to you. It's pushing more gas back through the system into your ear. It's it's making it quieter, quieter at the muzzle. So that kind of seems like a stupid thing to me. Um, but also, once you do that, then with that being threaded in place, you don't have the alignment of the EDM bore and the tapers. You're sacrificing that. So, and the, the silencer gets heavier and weaker. So those are things, uh, reasons we don't do those things. So I'm sure there's a lot more questions about it, but um, that that's what I've got for now. Good morning, it's the drive-in. Three lug barrels and attachments. Pros and cons, what's up? Why does it exist? Why do you want it? Why do you not want it? What's the best way to do it? What are people screwing up? What were the Germans thinking? Man, I don't know the answer to most of these questions. Project 64, it's a Frank James book on the MP5 and its creation might be a good place to start looking for that. Um, <clears throat> I would say a lot of places like that that sort of predate the interweb <coughs> excuse me, might be a good place. Although this is my recollection and current belief based on what I have. With that said, I am not going on any of the Tokyo Maru uh, web forums, the dark web, looking for this crap. So if you guys want to and then try to enlighten me, that's fine too. But based on my 26 years of experience and my unwavering curiosity throughout that for a lot of these details I'll tell you what I know the Germans did not originally do the three lug the three lug came a little later after the gun was developed for attaching a blank firing device um, I don't know why in the hell they would do it the way they did you know, with the three lugs, you can put it on in any three ways, which can change your point of impact if you talk about muzzle attachment. And I don't think the Germans were thinking about muzzle attachments for the bullets to pass through something with it. You have to start with, oh, well, I guess they're starting with a large diameter barrel anyway because of the chamber and where it pins to the, the like the forend, essentially, in the MP5. We have the German drawings for that. 
and I think some other companies probably do as well. So we could make a three lug correctly and we can tolerance our three lug attachment to work correctly. However, most of what is on the market is either reverse engineered or people took liberties with or they cannot read German and have not tolerance their stuff correctly. That creates some problems, like everything else that you don't control. Um, three log is not better than a thread would taper, I can assure you of that. The upside to three log is you don't have to mess with threads. The downside is you do not have threads. Um, you don't really have a taper. It's about a 45 degree, the front of the three lug but you don't really have a thread unless you have a two-piece device and not have it be a, a QD like everybody wants. Um, I think the three lug looks cool. Nevesky just put it on their new gun. It looks super sweet. Um, I, when you go with all these spring-loaded fast-attached three lug devices, and I used to build them as well, and then we would have problems with them not fitting on non-HK spec barrels, but then the spring-loaded stuff, it can get stuck, it's more parts, it's heavier, it's a pain in the ass. Um, the old AWC silencers and SCRC, South Central Research Company, Tim Bixler, who designed this three-lug device, it's two pieces, and it threads on. There's a little three-lug cap um, that is a female piece that the silencer has the female threads and part on uh, that slides right over your three lug barrel and then you tighten it down. It is the absolute best way to go. Um, it's not quite as sexy in impressing your friends or if you're reenacting some Jason Bourne bullshit where you snap it right on there and go bananas. Um, it's not that cool, but it's lighter, it's fewer parts, it's more simplistic, it's less stuff to screw up. And when it's locked on, it is rock solid. All the spring-loaded ones, you get some wobble, um, w which affects your point of impact shift, your accuracy. And it's funny, if you shoot those under high-speed video, it's, it's like when you take the number two pencil in school and, you know, you, you hold it between your index finger and your thumb and loosely and waver it back and forth, and it looks like your pencil's made of rubber. The same thing happens with your silencer on high-speed video. It's pretty funny um, if you're using those spring-loaded devices. Uh, we will do a 3-lug for our new Erector 9, and we might have another 9mm can coming out that is directly aimed at the Omega 9K. And if that is, in fact, the case, and that's not me talking bullshit, um, it will also use the compact, lightweight, two-piece, simple, great, rigid, better mount developed originally by SCRC and patented by such. Um, God rest his soul. We're going to use that because it's better. And um, not as sexy for you airsofters, but... It is better for those of you who want the best product to shoot guns, real guns. Um, that's sort of my take on the three lug. I want better, lighter, simpler, fewer parts, always, as I mature in my shooting and uh, 
as the company matures and we mature in designs and all that, this is the best way to do it. And I hope, just like a lot of the stuff we're working on, others start to copy it. And um, so they'll do it right as well. So for those of you who have other products, you don't have to buy the goofy-ass spring-loaded three-log. Uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, well, look it up. Tell me if I'm wrong. Three, four, three, four, three, four.